You really think you did it, don't you? No, Agnes did it. Agnes. Watch out for that female. Look out for that femme fatale. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And uh, we're we're now in the second half of uh, season five of the original Twilight Zone. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about uh, Night Call. Uh, really good episode. I'm glad that we got to dig into it. Um, yeah. Uh, so before we get to this episode, which is season two, episode twenty, uh, from Agnes with Love, um, I, I've been a I've been a bit I've been a cheating husband on Terry, running around doing other podcasts. Um, I'm Terry. I'm sorry. I'm just coming out straight now to let you know, uh, we don't need Maury Povich involved. I've been cheating on you with other podcasts. I hope you're okay with that. You hussy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like you just come running out onto the stage and like, they have to hold you back. You throw a chair. I get it. Like, I get it. I get it. I'm going to pull off your wig. It's going to be all hell breaking loose. Chairs flying. Wigs flying. Fair enough. It's going down. Fair enough. I deserve it. I, you know, like I didn't appreciate what I had at home and I went wandering. I deserve everything coming to me. Uh, anyway, so just if, if people w- would like to hear me uh, go talk about other things, I was on the Skewered Universe podcast uh, with the host Jeff and uh, and another guest uh, Patrick, and we talked about um, the Ari Aster film Midsummer. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation. It is uh, the Skew Universe podcast number 28. You guys can find it on Podbean as well, which is the same place that we host this podcast on or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. I do the thing that I do, which is I always go for lowest common denominator and make some really bad jokes. If you want to hear me make some terrible jokes about a wonderful film uh, in Midsummer, then go check that out. It was a fun talk. Yeah, I'm mean, gonna have to listen to that, man. I, I didn't know that you were doing another thing. I knew you just watched that that film uh, again the other day, but I didn't. Oh, that's because I, I cheated on you. I went on another podcast. I apologize. Oh, I didn't tell you until now. Now the so, truth is yeah. out. Yeah, you thought I was going out for like groceries, and I went into the podcast and didn't even tell you. So that's why our that's why our Saturday dinner was kind of silent with like little eye contact. It was I was just, I was felt so guilty, you know. Uh, I had to get that podcast lipstick off my collar. I'm sorry. I apologize <laughs> for all of that. Uh, hey, as long as this will be the last time. <laughs> no guarantees, because I'm going to record uh, uh, the other podcast I do with my other husband, Steve. No. <laughs> <Tomorrow>. <laughs> oh, anyway, I'm a whore. So let's get let's get into uh, let's just get into this. Uh, this is uh, season two, episode twenty, uh, from Agnes with love. I didn't realize until I started doing my notes that this is actually a Valentine's Day's episode for 64 because it came out February 14th, 1964. So 
good on the Twilight Zone to put this episode on Valentine's Day. I think that's kind of a like a fun thing. Um, that's the only fun thing with this episode, but I appreciate that. Um, so number one film, Doctor Strange Love. We've talked about that previously. Number one song. I want to hold your hand by the Beatles. Uh, never heard of them. You know, I, we, we're going to be dealing with the Beatles a lot. We talked about that previously. Uh, uh, so for day and date, what I have here is two things on the 11th. So three days. So Tuesday, the 11th, three days before this episode aired. I think this is worthy of, uh, of talking about because it kind of affects what, what we do here uh, at 12 five in the morning. Uh, uh, Herb Jepko began the first call in radio show. Jepko, a daytime host at a, a channel in Salt Lake city had persuaded the station's management to allow him to fill the early morning hours for a six week trial. For the first time listeners could call in and their telephone conversations could be heard on the radio. The show originally called the other side of the day, which by the way, that should have been maybe like the knockoff Twilight Zone, the other side of the day, um, and eventually was renamed Nightcaps, which quickly becomes a success. By January 68, it would be uh, broadcast by other stations, and on November 4th, 1975, would become the first radio call-in show to be broadcast nationally. So I say it ties into what we do, because, I mean, th- this is kind of a form of a, of, a, of a talk radio, right? It's a podcast, right? Uh, and talk radio, uh, started as a thing three days before this occurred and for good and for bad, um, it exists. And I, I enjoyed, I would used to go to bed sometimes listening to, um, oh, what was it? Um, oh, what was the name of the late night, uh, talk show where people call on and be like, I saw aliens. What was that called? Oh, geez. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. AM coast to coast. That's it. You're right. That with Art Bell. That's it. That was the fun one, right? And you're like, oh, that's all fun. These people are crazy. And then you, the older you get, you realize, oh, man, these people really believe this. That's a problem. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this isn't scripted. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, yeah, talk radio kind of took off from there. And that's where we end up getting a lot of different formats of, like, uh, regular talk radio, sports talk radio, whatever, right? So it's been, it's been a part of our lives uh, forever, right? But this is when it first showed up. Nice. Um, the only day and date stuff that I might have here. Um, as uh, February fifteenth, the, the next day, uh, Chris Farley was born. That's what I have as well, and he ended up yeah. living in a van down by the river. So down by the river, yeah. <laughs> but the beloved Chris Farley, we miss you every day, man. Yeah, gone too soon. Could have had him for a long, a longer period of time, because dude, comedy has just not been the same without that sob. Swear to God. <laughs> and, and to feel like he was born the day after um, a Twilight Zone comedy episode, and he would go on to do much more for comedy than the Twilight Zone would do. That's a hot take. Um, I, I miss Chris Farley. I, I like His physicality is very much like John Belushi, where he would just go all in. And also, he just, you know, whatever it would take for a laugh, which I understand that people that do that, you know, they're tortured souls. Like, um, oh, what was it? Uh, the 100th episode of The Twilight Zone was called Once Upon a Time, and it had Buster Keaton in one of his last um, roles. Buster Keaton would throw his body on the line all the time just to get the laugh. And he lived kind of a tortured life. I would say the same thing with Chris Farley. Um, I, but I will say though, like Tommy boy is a fun movie. that still holds up a great deal. And there's so many SNL sketches that I, I adore because of his energy. Oh, I'd love it. If, if, if watching the best of Chris Farley from SNL is hilarious because you could see all the other, 
uh, actors around him just about to lose their shit every time that he's going like he's going full tilt and I, it's it's amazing so that i get it i get so much from just watching that yeah tommy boy is classic and i still love black sheep a lot of people don't they don't give it as much credit but i think black sheep is pretty fine i need to revisit that um i mean i know there was that attempt to to partner him and, him and david spade which i think was a good call like i think they played off of each other very very well um, I've not seen Black Sheep in forever. I've seen Tommy Boy multiple times. And if people are listening to this right now, you should definitely go uh, check out the Patrick Swayze, Chris Farley, Chippendale oh, skit. Cause it's, <laughs> I just, the way that thing twists, I, 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 I love that skit and I love that they both committed to it so much. It was a lot of fun. It's classic, dude. It is so good. But yeah, so that's not this. So yeah. <laughs> All right. I wish we had a little Chris Farley, just saying. <laughs> just a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. All right. So let's, yeah, let's get into this. Uh, where's, what's our cast and crew here, Terry? All right, here we go. Director Richard Donner. Um, we had just talked about him a little bit more recently with a uh, nightmare at 20,000 feet. Um, he will do four more episodes this season. And, uh, you know, if, if people want to hear a, a lot more in depth conversation about, uh, Mr. Mr. Donner, uh, probably re- revisit that nightmare at 20,000 feet. Um, Briefly, I mean, he did all the Lethal Weapon movies and that. Like, he, he he does a lot of good action stuff. I'm not sure if comedy is really his thing. But well, you know. I mean, I think I think it depends upon the script, right? And and with this one, I'll give you a little bit of trivia at the end to explain why he did this one because he's still kind of a gun for hire. Uh, but yeah, we talked about him a lot on Nightmare Twenty Thousand Feet. I uh, directed the original Superman. Uh, directed. Pretty much direct Superman 2. That got taken away from him, and then it was like he got a chance to actually revisit that and put out his own cut of it. Um, yeah, like I, I wrote my notes here. Second of six Twilight Zone episodes. Thank goodness. Because Nightmare yeah. 20,000 Feet is a master class in how to shoot something. And I'm not saying that this is directed badly. Um, I'm just, I want to see what else Donner can do with the Twilight Zone. And I guess I, I will have to backtrack uh, for a second here. He did do the toy, Scrooged. And the 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 film adaptation of Maverick with Mel Gibson, those were fun. Those those were funny films and that. So I guess uh, he does know comedy well enough. So, but I don't know about this episode though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into but, uh, it. So our uh, writer on this one is uh, Bernard Schoenfeld. Uh, Schoenfeld. Uh, yeah. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's Schoenfeld. Schoenfeld. I think it's yeah. We're we're right eventually. Yeah, yeah. So, um, sixteen episodes of the Alfred Hitch- Hitchcock presents. That's pretty much the only stuff that I'd known for him. So yeah, only Twilight Zone episode. I I also think he was kind of a gun for hire based upon the trivia I'll get to at the end. That's going to be a tip off for why this episode exists. I, I want to point out though the IMDb trivia says here. So Bernard Schoenfeld. Uh, it says, here's the trivia. He lived for several decades in San Miguel, uh, Deliande, uh, uh, Guanajuato, Mexico, where he was known as Bernardo to his friends and neighbors. No shit. You're, That's you're- fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're living in Mexico for quite a while. Your name's Bernard. Oh, people are going to call you, oh, you know, Bernardo, you know, like, you know, just, Okay. Cause that is the Spanish version of your name. Congrats. You know, where did you get this from? You get this from Wikipedia or IMDb. IMDb. It would have been oh. like, like Paul co-host of strange highways went to Mexico and was called Pablo. Like, okay, great. You know, 
That that's that's accurate. IMDb, you are doing it again to us, man. Like what? Have some more interesting stuff to say about these people. <laughs> Seriously, come yeah. on. I just whatever's whatever's presented, right? And also, to, I want to point out here before we get to the cast here. Uh, this has featured music by Nathan Van Cleve, uh, who did uh, a lot of cool music for the series. Uh, this would be the last time his music would be featured in the Twilight Zone. Um, I think this is more of like the comedy beats, not the whatever that music that was coming out of the computer. Uh, out of Agnes, which sounded like the world's tiniest mariachi band and the world's smallest uh, Mexican restaurant that oh kept playing God. in the background the entire time. If you guys have not watched the episode, I don't know. It sounds like the like the tiniest muted trumpet that was going on whenever this thing was like processing. It was weird, but I don't think that was Nathan Van Cleve. I think the rest of it was his. He's done really cool music for the series. Not not the best n- note, no pun intended, maybe uh, to end his time on the show but it was worthy of mentioning because he did a lot of cool stuff for the series. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, moving on to our cast here, we have, uh, Wally Cox. Uh, he plays, uh, James Elwood. Uh, he, the major credit that I had uh, found for him was he was the voice of underdog for 119 episodes. As soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, dude, I know this guy. I don't know his yeah. face. The voice was so familiar. And of course that's what it's from. And then uh, outside of that, he did a lot of other TV work. Uh, nothing really that was like, for for what I saw, like worth major notes to his career. So he did do one segment of the uh, Night Gallery. So I want to mention that. But uh, so here's a little bit about him. Uh, he supported his invalid mother and sister by making and selling jewelry in a small shop and at parties where he would start doing comedy monologues. These led to a regular performance in nightclubs uh, in, in New York beginning in December 48. He would become the roommate of Marlon Brando, who would encourage him to study acting. Uh, Cox and Brando remained close friends for the rest of Cox's life, and Brando appeared unannounced at Cox's wake. Brando is also reported to have kept Cox's ashes in his bedroom and conversed with them nightly. Wow, I didn't, I did not know that they had that kind of relationship. I didn't even know they were friends. That's that's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a lot cooler than the the underdog thing that I had. So. No, 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 no. Underdog's great. let you hear the voice. That you're right. It's like it's so spot on. And he, his monologues, like you could tell that he was really good. Like I mean, regardless of what we're going to talk about this episode, they cast him for a reason, and he he played that role right of that nebbish small guy that's awkward and can rattle off a bunch of dialogue. That's the lane he was in. He stuck with it. Uh, for better or for worse in this episode, but I, you know, if you're going to cast Wally Cox, this, I think that's the expectation. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, so next here we have, uh, Sue Randall. Uh, she plays Millie, uh, one other episode of the twilight zone and, and it's called, and when the sky was opened. Yeah. That was a uh, Mathis episode, a Matheson story episode that was in season one. That was not bad. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm familiar with that one, but uh, again, I have to rewatch a lot of the uh, first and second season. Well, Um, it was all about like these three pilots going in this weird, like X plane into space and they came back. And then when they landed a sudden, like weirdly enough, the world started forgetting about them. And like, uh, like the, the guy that was left, like all the newspapers, and everything kept changing about like one pilot that came back. It was like, so like this whole thing of like, there being kind of erased from reality, because of what happened and no one tends to remember them after. So there was a lot of ambiguity in the episode. It was, 
Uh, there's just a bit where the one guy just like just loses a shit and starts destroying a bar, calling out his buddy's name who no longer exists. <laughs> so yeah, not bad. It's just, you know, season one has a lot of highs and lows. That one was kind of a straight mid. I'll just put it out there that way. Okay. I'll have to get back to that one. Um, so uh, next year we have uh, Raymond Bailey. Uh, he plays the supervisor. Two episodes of the Twilight Zone outside of this. Uh, oh, I, I did. I forgot to mention. Sue Randall also did uh, a bunch of Leave It to Beaver and Playhouse yeah. Ninety. There you go. Uh, she was in a couple episodes of that, I believe. I, just, um, I, I thought you were going to go with the idea that she got forgotten because she was in When the Sky Was Open. I'd be like, that's pretty meta. But okay, all right. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just like. You dumb son of a bitch. You forgot to talk about the rest of her You're going to start breaking open a bar and be like, Sue Randall, as you're smashing chairs. I get it. I get it. All right. So absent-minded there. Um, so, yeah, back to Raymond. He's still sitting here waiting for me. Uh, Raymond Bailey, he, he was a supervisor. Two other episodes of The Twilight Zone, uh, Escape Clause, and Back There. Yeah, both great episodes. So And then... Yeah. And did it go back to uh, your coverage of uh, all the Alfred Hitchcock stuff that you had done? He was in Vertigo. Yeah, I did not realize that, like, uh, I know I talked last episode about uh, my appearance on the Talk Without Rhythm podcast discussing uh, Vertigo and North by Northwest. We had a North by Northwest connection last episode with um, the lady that was helping um, the older ge- oh, gentleman, the gentlewoman in that episode. Uh, now we get a Vertigo connection. Could not have planned it better. This guy plays the uh, Scotty's doctor in Vertigo. He's in one scene of that film. Uh, but his big thing for Raymond Bailey, he was Mr. Drysdale on the Beverly Hillbillies for 247, ep- 247 episodes. Um, yeah, like crazy. Also, I have a note here about his personal life that you'll appreciate here. Growing up, like when he was trying to get into the movies, he worked as uh, at, for a time as a day laborer at a movie studio in the days of silent pictures, but was fired for sneaking into a mob scene while it was being filmed. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, how, how are you getting to the movies, right? You got to get that SAG card, which I know that wasn't a thing then. Hey, whatever you got to do, man. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough biz. Um, yeah, it's a, the only other credit I had for him is uh, he's in one of my favorite um, Atomic Age films, The, Atom- or the uh, Incredible Shrinking Man. So. Nice. He was in it as well. So uh, next we have uh, Ralph uh, Tagger. Um, he was uh, Walter Holmes in this episode. Uh, nothing really else that I had recognized for his uh, IMDb. Yeah. So he didn't have the longest of careers, right? But you look at that guy, you're like that. He has like the the big, like strong jaw, like good looking dude. It's like you know, like why? Like I feel like he would have been like perfect casting for a lot of things back then. So. Uh, there's a reason for this. Uh, so in 67, he was uh, cast in the title role of Hondo, uh, the TV version uh, that was carrying on from the movie. Um, so that was the the John Wayne film. The John Wayne film Hondo, he went on to the TV version of it, right? So um, in 67, uh, Tager told TV Guide, for a long time I couldn't get any work because people had hung a label on me as uncooperative, but I'm not. It's just that I'd say what I think, and sometimes that rubs folks the wrong way. Take that for what you will. Yeah, I, I could imagine that being a little bit of, uh, of a uh, problem for getting roles. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he he saw something in himself more than anybody else he, did. While he's probably had his time him. to basically be like, you know what? I don't think this is great. And they'll be like, shut up, we're paying you. I'd be like, I don't want to do this. You know, whatever. So that that's Ralph Tra- Tager. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you were just talking about Brando. Brando was able to nail a lot of roles. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he ended up in some films like getting some Oscars and stuff, right? So, you know, he he got to you. Know, he actually got the 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 acclaim before he started getting really weird with things. Which I'm speaking out of uh, speaking out of my ass. He might have been a problem from the get go, but um, based upon your and I's conversation about uh, season four's episode, The Bard with Burt Reynolds kind of like trying to um, like summon Brando invoke. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Right. Like, so who knows? But anyway, I Tager Tager's no Brando. (laughs) Definitely not. Um, So yeah, um, moving on here, we have uh, Don Kiefer or Keffer. I think it's Kiefer. Um, He plays Fred Danziger. 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 Come on. Danziger, I don't know. Uh, it sounds close enough. Um, two other episodes of the Twilight Zone. It's a Good Life and Passage on the Lady Anne. Um, we had talked about him uh, for Passage on the Lady Anne, which uh, I fell on my keys and forgot to note that he was in Creep Show. I'm not going to forget that this time, damn it. He was the um, the old janitor in Creep Show. So yeah. to go into a more in-depth conversation about him, uh, maybe visit our discussion on passage of lady Anne. there we go yeah he was also an episode of the monsters so just to mention that so uh do you have anybody else because i have two more i have one more here uh nan peterson uh she plays the secretary three other episodes of the twilight zone uh walking distance the night of the meek uh the, and the whole truth yeah they're all um, this was her yeah, last credit all minor parts but hey you're in the twilight zone four times we've got to we've got to recognize it but so, that's it. Yep. I have one more and you're going to appreciate this. Uh, Byron Kane as assistant. Only Twilight Zone episode. His big claim to fame that he was an associate producer on Peter Gunn, which ran for quite a while. Uh, but he also directed an episode of Hawaiian Eye. Oh, there it is. I missed it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I can't believe I missed it. Well, kudos to you. Uh, cheers. Yeah, there um, we go. Right. <laughs> I owe you a Coke. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all the credits we have here. So what's Mr. Serling have to say? James Elwood, master programmer, in charge of Mark 502-741, commonly known as Agnes, the world's most advanced electronic computer. Machines are made by men for man's benefit and progress. But when man ceases to control the products of his ingenuity and imagination, he not only risks losing the benefit, but he takes a long and unpredictable step into the Twilight Zone. So I think um, we have been, uh, in in case of uh, emergency break glass, I think because of season four, we've always been worried about like, because there was that episode in season four called... um, Oh, uh, not the middle. What was it called? I don't even remember it now. It was the the one where nothing happened in it, um, where the dude went around the earth for a second and came back home. The with parallel. The, the parallel. Call it the middle. Whatever. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> right. What, you know, what, what, is, what is this? The Jimmy World song? I don't know. It was the parallel, right? We pulled the ripcord on that and was like, what is even going on? Um, I know we still have like a number of episodes to go. Um, I know we kind of truncated the discussion about Night Call, but not because it was a bad episode, because the pilot, not pilot, sorry, the plot was kind of, it was hard to kind of navigate because it was not a lot going on plot-wise, but there was good character work. Terry, I got to pull the ripcord on this. What happened in this episode? Dude, this 
I hate to say it, man. Like, I'm glad that you're pulling the cord, man. This is a perfect episode to do it. This this episode just sucks. It, it sucks. Dude, there's a reason that this is like one of the lowest rated episodes of this season. This like there's just not enough here. Like, I mean, brief description. Um uh, sure, run through it, please. Please. Yeah. Just, all right. So this company, this I it, I guess they work for the government. They've made Google. They made Google. That's what it is. Like, this is Alexa. This is whatever. This is Alexa cancel. <laughs> my, my thing just read that I was uh, talking to. <laughs> and Alexa's so. like, but I love you. It's like, just shut up, Alexa. It's fine. Like, I'm married. You know, whatever. So th- there's this artificial intelligence that they've made where they pumped in all this data. It's able to p- crunch the numbers, figure out what they need at the at the instant of being able to try to find something out. Like there's one question where they're trying to figure out if the, a ship is able to make like five spins around Mars and be able to get back with the fuel that they have. And it's able to crunch all that number and give them the data that they need. And it's giving love to like, it's giving like advice to the operator Wally on how to hit on his his coworker Millie, and it just goes horribly wrong every time that he takes the advice of the machine. And it, it's just it's just dumb. It's just I, I just don't I don't like this episode. I don't. I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot here. I mean, it just like it's rinse and repeat for these different scenarios. Like yeah. he comes in, he takes over for a dude that is losing his mind. He's able to fix the machine takes bad advice it all goes wrong and the the machine gives him advice to introduce millie to another co-worker that works in the building she falls for him because he's tall dark and handsome and then like the machine professes its love to wally yeah it's like okay cool and then when he doesn't when he doesn't reciprocate that same love for the machine, it goes bonkers. And then we're kind of like at the beginning of the episode again, because he's the one that's losing his mind now. Yeah. That, that's what I was going to say. There's, there's the two tracks, right? The first is he's being brought in to try to talk to, to Agnes, uh, because the, the previous guy, you can just see him like, I like the, the one fun, the one fun shot in this is the Dutch angle of when they first walk in the computer room, the one dude's is covered in like ticker tape and like and it's like Wally and the supervisor and the dude's like, oh, oh, this this woman, this foul beast, whatever he says, it's like, oh yeah, you think you gotta figure it out? And he just like leaves. It's like he's broken. Um I said Wally, that's not his name. It is um it, yeah, it's Wally. Wally it's Wally's his real name. James is the character. I you know, I'm doing good. James takes over by flipping some knobs or whatever, and then at that point Agnes just focuses on him. And then because he's interested in Millie, yeah, she, sorry, Agnes starts like trying to prey upon his, I don't know. He doesn't have social awareness. He doesn't have like social object permanence. He's like a man child. I don't know how he's to describe a worm. Him. He's, he's a worm. A yeah. worm he's a worm. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a worm in this episode. Yeah. Like I just, there's no better way to say it. He's a geek. He doesn't know how to talk to women. Like he's taking advice from a machine. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I understand that he really doesn't know how to talk to women in that, but the few attempts that he tries to make to talk to Millie and, like, persuade her to go out with him, 
he just he falls on his keys each time. Well, he gives this, her roses and she's yeah, allergic to them. Gives her candies like, and she's on a diet. And she also is not having lunches. Like <laughs> that's weird, right? Uh, yeah, I just I can. We're, I want to rewind this back just just a minute to when we talk when we watch Black Mirror, the White Christmas episode. I'm going to give you some PTSD from that, where we had John Hamm's character and the collective overseeing the one dude on a date. Like this isn't that far away from that, except this is played for comedy, and the implications here, if you think about them a little bit, like they're just as bad. Like, well, maybe not just as bad as somebody drinking poison and dying. That's bad. But like the computer's trying to tell him to like do all these things and he's not comfortable and he's making some bad decisions. I don't know. It's like, this feels like, um, a really, really, I texted this to you spoilers for people that don't know our texting chains. I texted to you. I was like, this is one of the shittiest uh, black mirror episodes I've ever seen. Yeah. And I, I didn't respond because I'm like, Oh dude, I just like, I feel like, it's going to be Pandora's box. If I really started to get into the, I'm like, let's save it for the mic. I know I couldn't um, help myself. I just couldn't help it. <laughs> I was just like, dude, I'm so tempted to talk about this now and just get it over with. But no, like, yeah, he, dude, he's just such a worm. I hated what, watching. What if we him just posted him. screenshots of our texting and said, that's our episode. What if we just yeah. did that? We just delete this now. People will never know. It'd be like, yeah. just look at our text chain. That's the episode. I'm just, I'm kidding. Instead of the rip cord, it's the actual like uh, computer cord because yeah. like, we're gonna pull it out of the wall. I can't do it. Yeah, you just, no you way. just see my body limp against a wall, and that's that's it. That's the last. <laughs> this one did it. This is what got me. No, I just like there's just certain scenes that play out. This like, all right. So for me, I don't know if you felt the same way, but as soon as the music, yep, as soon as they kicked in that goofy ass music in the beginning of the episode, <laughs> I was done. I was like, great. It's going to be a comedy episode because we know because of like how the score goes for all. Oh, sorry about the sound there. Um, goes for all the scoring and in, uh, in the Twilight Zone. You can instantly tell how the show is going yes. to play out. Like what kind of narrative we're going to have. I wrote my Just, notes. I wrote my notes all caps. Oh no, comedy music, right? Like it's. I'm not saying comedy doesn't have a place in the Twilight Zone. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. Like. Uh, I know I've talked about this before. I'm going to be a dead horse. One of my favorite episodes of season one is the chaser. And that is a funny ass episode from start to finish, but it's different than this one. It's a good romp. Like that one is able to balance like a good story with comedy beats. Like it makes a hell of a lot more sense because the narrative is done in a better way. This one here is just goofy and stilted from the beginning. Like, I don't feel anything towards either one of the characters. It's it's solely based on comedy. Like I could imagine this like on an episode of Dick Van Dyke or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like this kind of storyline. Yeah, it, especially with the 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 constant like uh, gag of uh, Agnes opening like um, the response the doors, shutters or yeah, whatever. The shutters, whatever it is, her mouth um, because the whole thing, you know, and showing these different like responses. It's like uh, here I wrote a couple of these down whenever. Um, Whenever James, that's his name, not Wally, right? I'm, I'm going to keep messing this up. I apologize. I, uh, I did it. I started when, it. I'm when, sorry. <laughs> when Wormy McGee um, is talking to Agnes, um, she's like, "Oh, you need to talk to Millie." It's like, "Oh, but like, what do I should do about like going out for uh, going out for food?" She's like, "No." It says to your apartment. He's like, "Well, what? Do you, I don't know." And then like, "What should I do?" And then Agnes like responds, "Reckless romantic approach required." 
I now read that in 2021 as date rape is required. Uh, that feels weird to me. And then it's like, what should I do when I get there? There it says suggest champagne, soft lights. And then he's like, I don't know if she likes that. And then Agnes, which is supposed to be like the smartest AI in the world. like tells James Wormy McGee, all girls, same. Oh, like this is like, this is supposed to be the smartest, like, you know, computer in the world. And it's distilled women to just being like, Oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to give me some champagne and you're going to force yourself on me. Aces. Like what is going on here? Dude, I, I, it was a very uncomfortable, uh, thing to watch, especially because I, I don't know if that would have been read as funny back in the day. Definitely not funny now. No, it, it's it, like that. Like, I don't know. There was very suggestive things there. I'm like, that's, that's not a, okay. Not in the sixties, not in the two thousands well, ever. Also, can we just put out the characterization of Millie? Like she gets over to James's apartment and he's reading from this book of like, you know, the, the theory of relativity or whatever. And then she's like, no, 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 let's turn off the light. And she's really trying to like, she's really trying to get this whole day to cross the finish line. She's trying. And James is not reading the room whatsoever. So I put in my notes here. I hope you appreciate the joke. And I hope everybody at home um, appreciates the joke. I wrote Millie is, is DTLE down to lower expectations. Like, what is, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like she's trying, it's like one of those things where it's like, you could do it, buddy. It's like, I don't know. I'm just reading this book. It's like, no, no, no. I keep lowering the bar so low. All you got to do is like this. You don't have to even, you don't have to lift your foot off the ground just to walk forward. I'm not capable of doing that. All right. Well, I'm out. Like just, oof. The, this just, is like the episode with Robert Duvall. Um, yeah, what was that one called? Miniature. Yeah. Miniature. Yeah. So like very similar to that, where it's like the chick is just she's ready to roll, man. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Is, yeah. But like, uh, James is like, I'd rather read. And then at one point she's like, let's dance. He's like dance. And then, and then he, tr- you know, tries to open champagne, just like just spills all over her. It's like, it was so awkward. And it was just like for, for as much as he's been focusing on this character on Millie, the, 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 the character, it's like, he doesn't know her. And it's like, and you would think that, there would be a little bit more nuance in this, but no, if we just find out that at this point, Agnes has focused on James, much like she focused on the previous guy that was in the room that was programming her or whatever. Um, which by the way, can I throw this out here? Like, can I just ask you, this is a computer. Um, other than the nickname that the, the, the organization gave the computer, when did it learn to identify, um, as as female seeking male you know what I, like i like i'm not like i mean if the computer says hey i i'm a, I'm a woman and i want to 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 you know hang out with a man i can't tell a computer not to do that i mean i'm not going to judge anybody but where did this happen where how did this occur i'm not sure dude i was confused this entire episode i'm like where they felt like the motives were for the computer to fall in love with with wally in the first place i'm like well, I'm sorry, James. I did it too. But Damn I, it, Walter. <laughs> like, what? You know, uh, uh, Wormy McGee. You know, whatever. It's fine. It's just like, what? Why would the computer feel compelled to feel any any interest or sympathy for James? I mean, is it the fact that like he's in the room or what? Like, why would he even? <laughs> why would? I I don't know. Like, was it the? I, I assume that's what it's trying to play to us. It's like, even then that's, that, that speaks so much to like, um, gender roles. 
And it's so tone deaf, right? It's like, yeah. well, this man's in front of me now. I got to chase him. It's like, I know I'm a computer. It's just everything about this. I mean, I understand that certain, like this, this thing's like 60 years old and like, there's going to be things that don't age well in terms of the twilight zone. And like, but it's like, I don't understand how this played at the time. I just considering like we've had, we've had some, you know, like empowered uh, female characters, like, and some importance given to them over the course of the series. It's like, is that just tossed out the window because women be women, even if it's a computer, like, I just, I don't know, man. It just, this whole thing is just wrong and it just feels weird to me. Um, and the, the, the comedy's tone deaf. Um, but maybe again, maybe because you and I have had, you know, decades of other comedy to kind of absorb, uh, and to appreciate that maybe this doesn't ring with us because you know, just if you, if you, um, if you kind of take yourself out of like all this came after, like, can you put yourself in the shoes of somebody on a Friday night watching this, this episode and enjoying it? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I I'm just like, I, I don't know where they needed to tweak things either to make this a better episode, because I just feel like this is a script that this should have just left mm-hmm. on, on the floor in the writing room. Like, Nope, garbage. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> who greenlit this one? Let's put oh, 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 that was um, all Burt Garnett, uh, the producer, I believe. Um, and also, I, there's a line later where it says, like, this is what Agnes tells uh, James a woman either loves or hates. Oh, good. I'm glad that we distilled that to a one or two situation. Like, <laughs> <laughs> option A or, or option yeah, B. There is yeah. no in between. No. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like, it just, it, it, it's like, um, oh, um, it's always like that gag in the, the, the Looney Tunes cartoons where you see the silhouette of like the sexy woman and then someone goes and pulls the shade up and it's like this like crazy looking woman. It's just like, that just chases Bugs Bunny or like Donald Duck or not Donald Duck, like Daffy Duck. Like that's what this whole thing is. Like Agnes is like man crazy and it is just weird. And I don't know, man, like, um, when I mentioned Black Mirror, uh, there was an episode that was in the series one called uh, "What Be Right Back," where um, oh uh, Peggy Carter, I've, uh, Haley Atwell, loses a spouse. I think you've seen this episode. I think I, I, I adore this episode. It has been the topic of many discussions. Yeah, right. But there's the bit of like when the AI comes in. Like, do you see shades of that in this as well? I think there is because you're talking to an AI, right? Of her talking to the potential social it was she lost her fiance or husband i forget the the context of the relationship i and then this company actually built a a profile based upon a social presence that she could talk to like, yeah like her her yeah. sister-in-law or something tells her like there's this new program out there all you have to do is call them up they take all the data from all of his social medias and like everything he's like ever comprised as far as emails and that and then builds basically an algorithm to be that person again yeah and if you upgrade it then you can actually have a physical presence again yeah so and that goes in some different directions and maybe at some point we'll talk about it on the show because i think it's a great episode to dig into um but i think that that's there um there's that film from a couple years ago the spike jones film her that joaquin phoenix and scarlett johansson where he ends up falling in love with an ai um, I saw the first half of the film. It's not because I didn't enjoy it. I just, I, it was like, we started watching it like at a wrong time and I fell asleep and I didn't finish it, but there's a lot here, right? The idea of 
the artificial getting emotional. I think there's a good idea here. Um, but even, I don't know, like, it's like, Hey, can you make every possible wrong decision ever? Yeah. It's called from Agnes with love. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, and this kind of, everything you just said a moment ago, it kind of reminds me of how my wife treats AI and like talking to uh, Google and everything. When she talks to her Siri, she always says, thank you. I'm like, well, what's the point of that? And she's like, just in case, you never know. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> when, <laughs> when they take over the world, I want them to remember I was a polite person. I was like, all right, that's fair. <laughs> it's like, I, I saw people, what was they take Roombas and just put like a steak knife on the front of them and then put a balloon on the back of them and have two of them fight it out. It's like, you don't know. Like, maybe, you know. Maybe like uh, what is that robot robot jock? Yeah, or whatever the hell they call. <laughs> like robot wars or whatever, right? Yeah, so it's like maybe the Roomba one day will figure out put a knife on it. You don't know. We've all seen Maximum Overdrive. We know what will happen when shit turns sideways, right? So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to get any cans to the face, you know, <laughs> from yeah, your pop machine. Yeah, but but there was even like an episode of Futurama where like Bender, who's a robot, was having an affair with the Planet Express ship, and then and then it gets jealous. Like like this is not. This has been territory that's been tread probably previous to this, after this, and maybe because we have the the longer vision of being so far out. I don't know. Like, this was supposed to be a lark. I just, everything about this kept thudding along. And I, and I, I hate that the knowledge that the bulk of the Twilight Zone original series comedy episodes fell flat. Um, even when you and I covered um, the season two of the Jordan Peele produced Twilight Zone, that episode downtime, um, where you know the person found out that they're in the whole big simulation, there's some decent comedy there. Um, there's actually some fun to be had. You can have comedy in the Twilight Zone. Um, you can have fun. You can have comedy in anthology and still have a good time, right? I don't know what it is about the, about the original series Twilight Zone that. Once it crosses that threshold, you got to hammer in the loud music and let everybody know that here's the joke that just, it just rings so hollow for me. And I get really frustrated with it. And I, I agree with you completely on that because it does, there's been quite a bit of episodes that I've watched from the original series where it's like, I understand what they're trying to do here, but it seems so forced. And I don't know if that's because they're like, the writers are out of touch or the actors are not, like they were not ready for the kind of script that they were coming in to read. Like I don't, just things don't seem to be firing on all cylinders. And uh, you know, surrounding this series, there's been so many memorable comedies, uh, comedy like sitcoms that existed. It's not that comedy was bad at that time. It was very memorable shows that happened. Like I just like I mentioned earlier, Dick Van Dyke. Like that's around this time. Yeah. The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Like mm-hmm. that's around this time. Things existed at that time that were still like are still funny now if you watch them today. But the series, like Twilight Zone, at least from my opinion, never really got it perfect. It never like it never sat well with me either. So, I mean, there are some shows or certain episodes rather that like it works kind of, but in the end, like I think it's only because there's a balance because there's like some serious content that is kind of still coming in and show, has to show through. 
Well, that's fair. I, I think like when we talked about Tales from the Dark Side, uh, even like Tales from the Dark Side of the movie, like there there's some comedy that kind of rings through. And then also even later on, um, you and I have talked not during the recording, but like the X-Files. The X-Files had some wonderful, really funny one-off episodes. And I think uh, anthology horror and a weird story, I think comedy has its place. I just don't know what happened here and why this always seems to be like the barrier for entry to be like, oh, this is the funny one. Like, I adore Serling, and clearly I parts of my adult life are wrapped up in, in his his output and um, and, and that was his daughter wrote a book, uh, was Anne Sterling wrote a book called as I knew him that I want to read once we finish the, the, the original series. I, I the, the guy, uh, like he's a mountain, uh, like among like, you know, things that I, he, he is the, he is like this precipice of things that I enjoy. And I, and I've loved this journey. I just, like, I think he was a funny guy and I'm not saying he wrote this up because he didn't. And I know his, his, um, his, his control was waning in the, like the season four and season five, but I just don't know where it is. Like he's a very witty guy. There just, there's something about the translation that never comes through. And for being an accomplished screenwriter and an amazing storyteller, that, I think that also just shows that like, if you don't got it, you don't got it. And that's fine. You know, you've shown time and time again that you don't got it. Maybe, maybe don't got it again. Yeah, perhaps. And, you know, this isn't that big of a blemish on the entirety of the show, and especially not on the career of uh, Rod Serling. So, I mean, it's just, you know, small critique. Um, This didn't work for us. Uh, And, you know, there's plenty of other episodes to come. um, And maybe they'll try to hit comedy again. Maybe they'll do it better. I don't know. We'll (laughs) we'll have to see. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, So in regards to, to, uh, do you have any other notes? I mean, I... I don't know. I, I think I'm done with Agnes, the the date rape computer. I don't know if I want to roll, like, but I'm, I think I'm good. No, I'm good on this one, man. Like, yeah. I, I got no more notes on it. Yeah. So, uh, in regards to uh, trivia, um, I was going to read you the parts list that went into making uh, Agnes because that was actually pretty thorough. But it's like that seems like that'd be overkill because I would enjoy reading to you 30 different parts, but no one needs to hear that. Um, but so the two things I want to mention is that Donner took this, this episode to direct it because he was a fan of Wally Cox. Um, again, Wally Cox was asked to do what he did. And I'm not saying that like he was bad here because he wasn't, but you're asking to do a thing that isn't funny and he did his best with it. So I'm not going to fault him for the episode. Uh, I think I'd like to see Wally Cox as something else. Um, also there was a write-up somewhere around this time, whenever uh, someone was asking Serling about, about this episode in the series, he said that this was the potential for a pilot. So Agnes would have probably been giving advice to other scientists. Thank Christ that never happened, you know, because, <laughs> which is weird because a lot of the pilots Serling would come up with was always like this weird, like, like, uh, 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 uh was it Mr. Beavis where he had the, the guardian angel that come down and try to help him all the time. Oh, the Carol Net episode. What was that called? Um, it just doesn't matter. It was also a uh, friendly angel episode. Um, he just something about like, he always thought a comedy pilot was to have like the all, the all knowing to help the bumbling. Um, sure. But you, you've, you've used that idea three times, which I, I believe that the gentleman who wrote this, um, uh, Bernard Bernardo, as his friends would call him South of the border, 
Um, I believe he wrote this on spec and, and Sterling came to him and be like, Hey, what if a computer helped a guy with his love life, but it got weird. That's my guess. I don't have evidence to back it up, but it feels like it. It seems like a simple enough pitch, but like without actually investing real time and like having everybody be on board with how, how it's supposed to play out. Like, cause I, I think, this wasn't just the script itself. I think there are a, a few problems that kind of made this all not work for me. I mean, I, I feel like I'm hypercritical of this, and maybe there are quite a bit of people out there that love this episode. I, I'm sorry to be shitting on it like I am, but it didn't work for me, and this is just the way I feel about it. And you know, it is the it, it for me. It's the fault of the show and how it was constructed. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think you're being harshly critical. It isn't like we're setting fire to this and just kicking the entire show into the like you know whatever. It's just it's not a great episode. Uh, it is unfortunate that we just came off a of night call, which was like a really good episode. Uh, it's like so you can't you can't judge one based upon the other when it comes to anthology. But you know it's just like oh that was great. Maybe the second half has a lot of wonderful delights. And you're like oh shit, like this is. This is like ring-a-ding girl, like what is going on here? Like type of like things, right? I guess I'm tipping my hand about the end of the season, but whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, it's just we don't have many episodes left in the series. I want, not that I'm saying I expect all of them to be like home runs, but can you at least give me like a single or a double? Like, please, like that's all I want. Like, give me some firm, firm grounding on the way out to at least make me have a better taste in my mouth before we wrap this thing up. And this one was, um, it was like a foul tip where the guy looked up in the air and it, it was caught only after the baseball struck the batter in the head and then it rolled into the catcher's mitt. That's what happened. And I think that this one, this episode is kind of a, a bigger reflection of maybe season five as a whole, because there are quite a bit of people out there that said, you know, a- after uh, season three, there's nothing but garbage as far as season four and season five are considered. And I've heard a lot of people uh, like specifically shit on season five. There's been incredible stories oh, yeah. for season five. And I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed our I mean, ride. Nothing Hamner, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like there's, there have been some bangers for season yeah. five. And I, I, I think that maybe this is the, uh, the sore spot for, for maybe. season five. Maybe this is what people were remembering. And they got to this and they're like, oof. <laughs> you know, like maybe, maybe season five is not that great, but I, I, I will, I will challenge those people watch some of the other incredible episodes that we have covered, you know, like, um, like steel was a lot of fun. I enjoyed oh, Steel's yeah. nightmare yeah. at 20,000 feet. Uh, and living doll was incredible. Yeah. Like these are very standout episodes for this season. And I, I don't regret being in the season five conversations right now. Like I would also gonna, argue people of like seasons one through three, I, I will present to you to the, to the court, uh, the season one episode, I shot an arrow into the air. Like it's not all winners. Like I get it. Like it's, it's fine. We're going to take our licks. Right. So me being frustrated, I knew you and I would have some laughs and we're going to move on. And, um, you know, it is what it is. Right. Like I, I hope, I hope the people listening, like, you know, sometimes like we, we've been pretty, we've been pretty, um, hesitant to pull the ripcord and not like go through the episodes like we normally do. Even at this point, we're getting close to an hour discussion about it. So there, there's something here like a little bit, 
just a smidge. It's like, I mean, come on. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, this is one that some need to be held up and, and maybe some need to be held up more because people forget about them. This is one that is perfectly fine where it's at. And I'm sure, I'm sure this one will show up again in conversation once we get to the end of the season. And, and, and there might be our maturity as far as like seeing some of the really bad episodes that we're finally able to look at the series as a whole and be like, ah, could be the bard. You never know. Like, it's like <laughs> the, the bard is, it could, like, be, it I could feel be like the middle. I mean, the parallel, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and yeah, and like what you were saying, like I think we've given this the time of day a lot more after pulling the quote unquote cord, even though the parallel didn't really get that much from us at all. Yeah. Like we've given a lot more to this episode. Fair enough. And I and I will say, if people want to get into like comedy centric episodes, that <laughs> please go back to episode or uh, season four and watch an episode like in his image. There is some funny shit in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might not be it's not supposed to be taken as funny but oh no. there is some funny stuff in that episode i would even say i would even say that there's more comedy in printer's devil than than this like there's some fun stuff in there burgess mirror that eats up the screen like there's fun to be had in some of these episodes and there's some cackle Jess with the Bell. light yeah just fell Je- i had here a- <laughs> here here we go here we go here are you ready for it that cat was a witch like that's you know like Hamner, I will give it to you. That cat was a witch. You cannot take that ser- that episode seriously. Please watch that with <laughs> with, with all <laughs> with all anticipations for weirdness and just <laughs> just soak it up. Just have fun with that one, right? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think uh, all right. So just just because we got it, 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 we are we are slaves to the format. We're gonna rate this twist. <laughs> That the computer would end up like messing up the guy's life. I don't. I don't know where. Where do you put the twist in this? Because I left. I put a question mark because it's one of those things where it's like I don't know how to put a number on a thing that was like flat the entire time. Like where do where do you put your twist at? I feel like this is like if you were in a poker game, you were able to see the other guy's hand the entire time. <laughs> there is. There's well no played. twist. You, no, you just see. You just see the 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 cards reflected in Wormy McGee's glasses the entire time. <laughs> right yeah like there's there is nothing held back here there's nothing to feel like shocked by i it no the, you could see the writing on the wall the entire time this is a zero for me. <laughs> zero is, oh yeah. shit all right you know what i'm gonna agree with you it's a zero but there you go it's just, that i think that's a first ever for <laughs> i think we've no always been kind enough to give here. a one but you know what it's gonna be a zero i think i'll give you a zero i agree with that I, I'm sorry. Like again, like I, you said it. You said it perfectly. We are kind of a slave to it. We kind of have to do this each time. It's been the format, but dude, there was nothing shocking about this episode. It was it was a sh- uh, a schlock to get through. Like I, I did not want to watch it a second time. And I, I kind of like alluded to this earlier in conversation. I I. I made my wife watch this with me and she kind of got like do, the do idea not, do that you I not love your wife. Why would you make her watch this episode? <laughs> she, she, she already got like the little, like, like cliff notes from me. And I was like, it's a terrible episode, but you have to watch it. With you me. Just tell and her, like, like, listen, we got through 2020, you know, that hellscape it was, but can, <laughs> like, can I just please show you from Agnes with love? And 
I, I, I hope that you'll stay married to me after we watch this episode. <laughs> I hope so. Cause you guys are adorable together. So I hope so, this wasn't the thing that broke it. So she didn't have any, uh, symptoms from her second vaccination shot. This was the symptom. <laughs> like <laughs> you need oh. to feel pain. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You got to feel something right now. <laughs> yeah. No. Pain, so, nausea. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? So I just, I guess I should say, normally our Twitch rating is one out of five. A zero is appropriate. So there we go. So, all right. Um, before we talk about what we're doing next, um, let's get to how people can find us and debate us about this episode. Uh, you guys can find us at Strange Highways on Facebook. Um, we're posting always fun pictures there. and ha- Like I posted um, showing how eggs should not be handled. That got some responses. I appreciate that. Um. You guys can email us, email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. And Terry, how can people find us otherwise? All right, people. We are on Instagram. Come ahead and follow us on there. Like some of our photos. Uh, we're posting stuff as often as possible. Uh, I've been kind of slacking a little bit. Um, I'm trying to figure out more inventive ways to engage people on there. Uh, but please go to where you get your podcast, like Paul has said multiple times before even if you can't rate your podcast on whatever format you do listen uh, maybe check out a different format and uh go on there give us a rate give us a review uh tell us we suck i don't care like hey, just give us something give us something to feed off of because we are just I mean, sitting here we'll, doing our we'll, thing we'll not- <laughs> take it personally but we won't let you know because we're professionals that's <laughs> we're, we're just gonna sit here off the rails doing this like that's yeah. <laughs> like so Maybe if you give us some feedback, uh, you know, maybe that right, maybe writes the ship. Those yeah. are two different analogies. I, I, <laughs> we're a ship on rails. I don't get it. Whatever. But yeah. So, so give us some love, people. Uh, we really, uh, we really do appreciate everything that we have gotten. We have some fans that reach out to me uh, in person. Um, you know, it's it, it's good to hear that we have fans, and it's good to see if people are following us along. And um, we love you guys, and uh, we 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 enjoy doing this, and we can't wait to give you some more content here. Yeah, like the people have been showing up to to like all the photos and the dumb captions we put up. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and we appreciate that. We love interaction. Uh, please understand that we always put the photos up, like screenshots from the episode. Like it's always in love. I know we make dumb captions, but like I don't know, like you got you got to you got to make jokes. And as much as we may or may not like the episode. I, I think it's always kind of fun. Like it's been 60 years. We can screenshots, right? Like I commented on, uh, eggs, like, and how they shouldn't be put in, uh, the, uh, let's go say garbage bag, the grocery bag, like vertically, that's not, it's right. garbage. It's after gar- she put, yeah, did that to the everything egg. broke, right? Like, yeah, it is <laughs> garbage. Um, so yeah, like it's just, we have fun. Please let's just join in the fun. Let's just all have fun together. It'd be great. So anyway, next episode we're going to get to, um, I'm sure everybody's going to be happy to hear this. I don't have to read the teaser because I have it. It's for an episode called a spur of the moment. So we're going to let Serling take it away. And now Mr. Serling next on the twilight zone, the stalwart typewriter of Richard Matheson brings us the most intriguing tale of riders, pale horses and peaks into the future. It stars Diana Highland and it concerns itself with some very unlooked for and some unpredictable events. It's called spur of the moment. And it's recommended for those of you who'd like to take a look at the next page of the calendar before it's time. On Twilight Zone next, spur of the moment. So does that mean that like uh, we like look forward to the next month because we have a lot of things scheduled? I don't understand what that means at all. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, 
Mr. Sterling's talking about there. So yeah, it, we, it's Richard Matheson's storyline again. Right? I'm hoping that um, we get a little bit more, um, a little bit more favorable territory. How about that? So uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed our conversation around Agnes with love. Sorry, from Agnes with love. Um, so yeah, let's go do it for this this week. Uh, have a good week. Have a safe week. Uh, get vaccinated because uh, we we Terry and I both got both of our stabs in the arm. So we're going to be in person again. We're going to make direct eye contact. Hopefully soon for the the rest of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. In the meantime, um, just I don't know. Like don't listen to the big flappy wall computer. I got nothing. Uh, don't take uh, dating advice from the big wall flappy computer. State the first prime number larger than the 17th root of 9,355,126,606. That's right.